when we announced what we were launching, people were like, oh my gosh, this is genius. Yes, we're gonna make a lot of money. This is gonna be amazing. And then we put it up on the site and we got like two sales. Okay, so this is a horrible idea. And it really was a lesson that just taught me so much that I implement today, but it was just like, wow, you do have to talk about something so many times we're seeing so many products all the time. So how are you making it personal? You know, how are you telling the story? What is the product? Why does somebody want it? Why is it going to benefit their life? The relationship between a brand and an influencer is a two-way street. And even though that might sound obvious, even the most successful brands and influencers are struggling to see ROI from their content. I hear this time and time again on the show. How do I get the most bang for my buck? How do I think about structuring a good relationship with the influencer? What does the end result look like? So many questions around this topic. That's why we brought Tessa Barton on the show, who has experiences on both sides of the spectrum. She's an influencer turned entrepreneur, whose company, also called Tezza, has seen its ups and downs in the five years she's been working on it. And on this episode of Up Next in Commerce, Tezza explains how she went from cold reach outs to urban outfitters, to leveraging a following of more than a million people, to then building a company all on her own. She discusses how both brands and influencers should be thinking about putting their best foot and content forward and what kind of creative and distribution process has had the most success. Plus, she talks about the lessons she learned when she was launching her very first product and was expecting immediate success and then being able to count her orders on one hand. But she turned things around and you'll learn just how she did that and more on this episode. Before we dive into this episode, I was hoping you could please subscribe, rate and review the podcast. It helps spread the word about the show and I would really love it. So please let me know how I'm doing and give me a rating, give me a review, let us know. All right, enjoy the episode. Really quick, I want to say thank you, thank you to our awesome sponsor, Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And I'm going to allow them to give you the inside scoop into some of the findings from their most recent State of Commerce report. Hi, this is John from Salesforce. Did you know that companies of all sizes and industries power their digital customer journeys with Commerce Cloud? Salesforce Commerce Cloud delivers B2B and B2C commerce, as well as order management around the globe. And with Commerce Cloud, you can engage with your customers anywhere and personalize interactions everywhere. Scale and innovate with ease and drive some serious growth for your business. And speaking of innovation, we recently surveyed nearly 1,400 commerce leaders and analyzed the consumer shopping and business buying behavior of more than 1 billion customers worldwide. And we uncovered emerging trends that will influence how companies can be successful and stay ahead in this ever-evolving landscape. To check out the trends we discovered, go to sfdc.co slash commerce insights. That's sfdc.co slash commerce insights, one word. and welcome back to Updex in Commerce. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, CEO at Mission.org. Today on the show, we have Tezza Barton, the CEO of Tezza and the Tezza app. Tezza, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. I think this interview, I'm just going to be saying your name a bunch of times, which will be <laughs> yeah. very interesting. We'll be like, stop it. It's very confusing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I like it. And I actually think it's branding that's on point. I want to hear a bit about your background because I was looking through, you know, your social presence and the things that you're doing. You obviously have a very big following, I think on Instagram, definitely over a million, right? Luckily, yes. You got a lot of fans, a lot of lovers of Tessa. <laughs> so I wanted to hear about how you got here and what was that journey like? Totally. Um, where to begin? 
I think, you know, I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. So I loved just kind of living in the outdoors, being really close to nature. My entire family is full of just artists and creative people. So that was just kind of always something that I was lucky enough to be in front of and around and kind of welcomed by. I think as I got older, I didn't really realize how special that was and how um, impactful that would be on my life and, and how a lot of other people kind of just were turned away from that. You know, it's just a really beautiful experience. Both of my parents were entrepreneurs and started their own businesses. So that, that kind of was just like what life was to me. And, and, um, so I was super lucky. And I remember when I was 16, I had this, just, I was like, I'm going to be a fashion designer. You know, I, I really was so obsessed with fashion design and, um, creating and sewing all my own looks and things like that. And then I picked up a camera to shoot the looks I was creating. And I was like, light bulbs went off. This is amazing. I can like actually capture so much more than just the clothes, but like the storytelling and all that kind of stuff, which really got me excited. And from there was kind of like an explosion and evolution of just kind of figuring out, you know, who I was as an artist and a creator. Um, I did go to school for fine art and photography where I really kind of dug in and, and learned more about, you know, just, I mean, I guess honing in on my skills. And that was kind of right about when, you know, the whole Facebook, Instagram, boom Mm -hmm. came about. So for me, I was blogging since I was 16. I was always kind of on, I guess, social media in some way, trying to kind of create just to get my work out there. I honestly was using it as a portfolio, a way to get clients, a way to just be seen. And, And I think like, I was super lucky. I remember feeling like, gosh, I don't even have to have a website as a 16 year old. I can just post it on Facebook and people see it and people want to, you know, interact. So that kind of just became the way I I worked. And um, in college, I, Instagram came out and I was really, my dream was to work with, you know, all these amazing brands. So I was like, how can I help them create content? No one knew how to create that much content. So I would just message like local brands. And I was like, how can I, you know, be your just main photographer? And I'm going to help you create like 60 different pictures that all look different that you can have this like awesome Instagram feed. So that kind of became like my side career while being in college and playing in a band and all of this stuff. So, and then I remember I was like, I'm just going to move to New York. My husband and I were like, let's just go. We have no reason to go, but we need to go. I don't even think at that time, the word influencer wasn't a, it wasn't a thing, but I just saw like, oh, wow, I can actually, you know, work with these brands. I can get them to like hire me as an individual. Cause I have so like, I really just love the storytelling and that's what I wanted to focus on. So I had to kind of like leaned in and decided like, I was going to use this and try and monetize my, um, my Instagram, if you will. And that was kind of the beginning of where we are now. So it's kind of just been an evolution since then, but yeah, I can kind of get into, I guess like, you know, why and how we kind of started the businesses from there, but that was, that's kind of the, yeah, I, I love it. So, I mean, in those early days, how did you convince brands to work with you? I'm imagine you being in New York and just going to a brand and being like, I have a great Instagram. I've got some good followers. Pay me. Like, well, what did that process look like? And how did you, you know, catch some big fish in the early days? Totally. I remember like, I think, and I still do this to this day. I'm not going to lie, but I remember like the first big client I really wanted to get was Urban Outfitters. This was back in the day. And I was like, I just know I can create the kind of content that will not only sell their products, but like my audience would just love and be attracted to. And so I would basically buy their products and I would create just, I would go so hard and create amazing content that I knew they would want to see. And I would 
email it to them. Oh. I would tag them. I would DM them. And like, finally, after months of doing it, they, they were like, oh my gosh, yes. And then all of a sudden they were hiring me every single month mm -hmm. to create for them. So that kind of always has been a part of my strategy, even with like high-end brands, like Michael Kors or whatever. I think just as an individual or creator showing, you know, what you can offer a brand, like what you can provide and why mm -hmm. you'd be valuable asset to them, whether it's like amazing imagery or you can drive sales or you're just like the biggest fan in the world of the brand. Like those are all tactics that I think brands actually use and look for when hiring um, creators yeah. and influencers. Yeah. I like that show value upfront. So with this much content that you're creating, especially thinking about kind of sending like samples of what you can do, what does your creative process look like when coming up with these campaign ideas? I mean, you were talking about, I think like banging out 60 photos, you know, that'll all look different, but have a similar theme and really sell the product. Like what does that storyboarding and creative process look like to be able to come up with something that connects with people and also keeps the brand's, you know, image at the forefront? I mean, look, I'm somebody that <laughs> likes to consume products. And m most of the time it's because an image captures me and I'm like, I want to look like that. I want to feel like that. So when I'm about to create, you know, any kind of content, I kind of take a step back and I'm like, what story am I telling? Who's this girl? Where is she going? How is she feeling? Whether it's a personal project or I'm like creative directing a campaign for another brand, you know, because I think those can be a little bit different. But I think like if you can take something just even a little bit of the extra mile and do a little more storytelling than just like standing on a blank wall which also can, that can drive sales too. I can hey. be so vogue. Hey, I have no idea. Do not ask no. me. <laughs> that was a great line. No, it really can. I think like there are so many ways, but I think like the one thing I noticed and the reason I ever started to really have any sort of traction or growth is because I definitely like leaned into just the storytelling aspect and, you know, making a piece of content that lasted a little bit longer than just that five seconds of scrolling on a feed, but like somebody might want to repost it. Somebody might want to recreate a picture like that because it made them feel something. Um, it lives on Pinterest. It's kind of like, that's kind of how I focus and think about my content. And were you also focused on distribution? I mean, you can make these great pieces of content, but how did you get it in front of the people that they wanted to? Was it just kind of focused on your following or were you trying to find new ways where Pinterest, maybe you weren't there before and you're like, I'm going to go here. I'm going to try YouTube. Like, what did that look like to really get that content out into the world in a way that was, you know, could potentially go viral or scale? Totally. I think like if you can be on as many platforms as possible, like you should, uh, it's definitely difficult. I even struggle with it myself, but I used like my blog and Pinterest were a huge, huge way of existing and growing my audience outside of just Instagram, because so many people would be like, wow, I discovered you on Pinterest, or I didn't know that was your photo. I've been like seeing your blog over here. And so like, I think just having the conversation, you know, TikTok is an amazing way now. YouTube is an amazing mm -hmm. way now. And on top of that, I think another amazing thing you can do is collaborate with other creators and influencers. Like that is huge for just combining audiences and being able to you know, share each other's like audiences and messages and build your own brand. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So when thinking about these big brands partnering with you, I always ask the brands, like, how do you think about ROI with influencers? Do you think it's worth it? How do you find an influencer that's good for your brand? And what's nice about this conversation is it's on the other side of the table. So I want to ask you, like, how do you think about, you know, working with a brand? What's a good partnership look like? And 
yeah, how would you advise them on thinking about like, is this going to be a good fit? Will you get the ROI that you want? Right. I think ROI is such a, I mean, that's always the the hot topic, the hot conversation, mm-hmm. but like there are so many different ways to think about using an influencer. And I mean, it's like when Doritos does a commercial on the Super Bowl. obviously it's like, there's so many things that that does. It's like vibe, culture, like conversation, like visual. You don't know how many people are going to go buy Doritos after you watch that commercial. Mm-hmm. But I think the the benefits of using an influencer is that you're hitting like personal, you're hitting those trust points. And I think personally, the the most success and the best success and conversations I've had with brands as an influencer is when like, even if I'm the biggest fan of a brand and they just send me an email and they're like, we just want you to post, here's how much it's going to be. Here's the brief done. I'm kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. But if a brand sits down with me or has a phone call and they're like, this is why I love my brand. And this is why I think you're going to be a good fit. And this is why I'm passionate about this project and this new um, thing that we're launching. I'm like so hyped. I feel so much more connected to that brand. And I'm going to spend 10 more hours on that piece of content than I am. If it's just like too quick and like, there's no heart in it as a brand. If you can like find influencers that not only like love your product and want to talk about it, but actually connecting with that person, that partnership is going to lot. It'll, it'll just go longer and they'll talk about you even more after than when you just pay them because they're excited about it too. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's such a good idea of like, how do you pull in whoever you're working with so that they have heart in it? And it's not always just about the contract and the hours and all that. Like people will probably go the extra mile if they feel like personally committed to it. I know when we, um, I was talking to someone from Anheuser-Busch on the show and they're talking about, I think a partnership with Travis Scott and they were like, he's not just an influencer. He's shaping the product. He's, you know, shaping the creative and he right. has a very vested interest in this entire campaign. It's not just him posting once on Instagram and then walking away. It's like a whole thing. Right. And that to me is what you want. But I don't know if enough brands think of it that way and think of the longer term benefit and how to actually pull in the people that you're, you know, trying to help spread the word in a way that's meaningful to them. Totally. I think like another example of that, and this is a brand that I've worked with for many, many years and, and we built just honestly the trust, but, and kind of to what you're saying, I think is actually using a influencer as like a creative and a creative director. Like I worked with trust me for so long and they, my content always performed really well. They loved the direction I took things, the amount of time I spent on things. And so after a few years, you know, they started to hire me as a creative director and photographer for the brand. And I got to like shoot other influencers for their campaign. And then they, you know, that became a bigger part of the story. They helped tell that story. And so I think, you know, think outside the box. It's not like use these creative people to your advantage because we're mm-hmm. sitting here. That's more exciting than just like a quick post. I think everyone's just craving just personal touch points right now. So um, anything you can do like that is going to be just an, a level up from just a post. Yeah. What did that look like behind the scenes with Tresemme when you were acting as a creative director and, you know, you were kind of behind the camera instead of, you know, making your own post for them? What, what did that look like? So much fun. Not going to lie. It was a blast. Yeah, sounds um, fun. Yeah. I think, you know, we had, you know, six different girls and I got to kind of help choose the influencers and really come up with different imagery that would, you know, bring to life, not only the Tresemme content, but the influencers content. So because it was coming from also the influencer side and not just a brand side, 
there was so much more value um, in thinking about it that way and really trying to bring to life two different two different brands because you know influencers basically have their own brand. So if, I think finding kind of like that storytelling is really where beautiful things start to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very cool. Which brands do you wish to work with in the future? Or do, are you like hoping to one day partner with? Oh gosh, way too many, <laughs> so many brands. I'm like, um, do you got to put it out no, there so no. the universe answers your question? <laughs> yes, no, totally. I think like personally, you know, I did a small campaign a couple of years ago with Canon and I'm like a Canon fanatic. I love cameras obviously. And I've mm-hmm. used their products for years. So when I got that campaign and I got to use like a new camera coming out and I got to create a content that was going to be in a photo gallery and all this stuff, it was, it was such like, wow, this is my dream collaboration. So I think working with not only just camera brands that I love, like I would love to work with Fuji or, or anything like that, but also working with just artists. And like, I would love to work with, I don't know, like a musician. I think it would be so fun to be Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to come up with like your next music video and Instagram strategy. And like, let's get into it and get creative. I just love that kind of stuff. So anything like that would be a dream, but I mean, real, real talk. My dream would be like Gucci. Okay. I'm just going to say, all right. It's out there. Your your answers will be met. Now you've uh, put into the universe. Yes. So (laughs) let's jump over to Teza. Now I want to hear about your company. I think it's super, you know, interesting hearing how you've built up this following. You have a lot of people who like your work. They love your creative direction. And then you go and you create an e-commerce shop and then you create an app. And I want to kind of hear what was that process like going from building a community and focusing on that to then being like, and now I'm going to build a full on e-commerce business and app. Totally. Yes. I mean, so many mistakes. I'm like, how do I even get into the beginning of it? I think I wasn't setting out to be an influencer or just even an entrepreneur, but I always, I kind of had this motto, right? Which was the art of life. That was kind of like my goal in life because I grew up in this family of creatives and people that always were supporting my art and, and helping me fuel my art. I felt like, gosh, like not everyone has this opportunity and I want to do that for other people. So I want to inspire everyone to find their inner artist Cause I feel like everyone is creative. Everyone mm-hmm. has the ability to create art, but they don't always know that. And so yeah. that kind of was like my, my mission. Right. And so then everything that came after that was to support that idea. And I was fortunate that like every product we started has been from actual like interests and questions that we were getting. It wasn't like, I was like, I have this random idea and I want to make a thing. So let's just figure it out. Like for example, our first product we ever launched was our collage kits. That idea when we started, it wasn't out there it didn't exist, but so many people, we had so many images on our walls and they were like, how did you do this? Where do you get these cool pictures? And I was like, wow, I, I take all these pictures. I can, I could create this, you know, kit. So that was my first physical product ever. And wow, like we, we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, we just called like a printing shop in Wisconsin. We were just trying to figure it out. We did it all out of our studio apartment in New York. And it was like, the interest was there. Like when we announced what we were launching, people were like, oh my gosh, this is genius. And I was like, yes, we're going to make a lot of money. This is going to be amazing. And then we put it up on the site and we got like two sales and we were like, okay, okay, okay. So this is a horrible idea. And it really was a lesson that just taught me so much that, I mean, I implement today, but it was just like, wow, you do have to talk about something so many times. It doesn't matter. Even if you're an influencer, even if the interest is there, you just have to talk about it. You have to get it into the right hands. You have to constantly be like 
presenting the idea. And especially now, I mean, I think we're inundated with so there's just, we're seeing so many products all the time. So how are you making it personal? You know, how are you telling the story? What is the product? Why does somebody want it? Why is it going to benefit their life? And so that, that really like after doing it for two years in our apartment and kind of like making all those mistakes, we finally like found just crazy success with that um, after like grinding away at two years. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine, who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about. Publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. How did you, you know, Ooh. go from having two sales and be like, wah, wah, to then finding success with it? Because, yeah, I can yeah. tell now just by looking at them, like, there's no way you're not selling a bunch of these. I mean, <sighs> and collages are so, Yeah on trend right now. I mean, even everyone trying to do the collage walls with the pictures and then trying to even organize it. I tried to do it. It literally took me a week and I was like this close to giving up. So (laughs) like, what did you do to, you know, hit success with that? I think kind of like I was saying, just talking about it way more than we thought we had to, I, you know, I didn't know how it works. Like I never have run, I didn't know I should be doing email campaigns or I should be, you know, that every person that is interested in DMing, I need to be DMing back and, and, you know, like really supporting the community of it and, and like helping people just making it like an easier part of conversation. And then also just getting it into the right hands and having those people like love it so much that they want to talk about it. That's always been influencer marketing, right? It's like an influencer. I say that, I think everybody's an influencer. You could have 10 followers and heck you might be influencing those 10 people major. So I will send you a collage kit, but I think like, you know, how can you have those organic conversations and, and find people that are actually interested. And the second we kind of like did it circulated and circulated and circulated. And we never really had to like, we, you know, we don't overthink it now, but I think like that was a really interesting learning process. And, and on the flip side of that, you know, we launched the app it's been, I guess, a little over two and a half years now. So two and a half years ago. And that was a similar product where we, we launched that out of just interest. You know, people, I was a photographer. I was really had a super specific aesthetic. And so many people were like, how can I do this? How can I be a better photographer? You know? And so I was like, I want to be able to help everybody do this. How can I, you know, I I could sell my Lightroom presets, which I was doing. And I had great success with that, but it was so limited to the people that I could reach. And I was super lucky that my husband was a developer. And so we were like, let's just sit down and see if we can build an app. Like Mm -hmm. we were two kids in a studio apartment. Who knows what we were, what we were doing. But after like a year and a half of like at midnight grinding away, trying to figure out how to build a photo and video editing app, we finally got it to work. And it was so raw at the beginning. Like I remember when we launched, it had so many problems. Like it's such a different product than, you know, an actual physical good, but 
equally, I mean, you have like bugs and you have just a million types of phones that it has to work on and, and all of these things. So mm-hmm. it was a, it was a very humbling, um, process, but I think we benefited because, you know, we, we knew who our consumers were and what they wanted. And I had built such an honest and real relationship with that initial, you know, community that wanted the app. And so they were willing to like work with me and we like worked through the bugs and really, and that's still how the app works today. And we were really able to like grow it because of those initial core people that just like wanted it and and thought it was amazing and were willing to like get through the mistakes with us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. And good to have a community that is willing to chip in like that. How do you, so you've got the Tezza app, which is a photography editing app and you've got Tezza, which is an e-commerce shop. How do you think about you know, kind of uniting both of those and sending traffic both ways potentially, or not at all? Do you kind of keep them as like complete separate companies and use cases? Like how do you view the branding on everything you're doing? Totally. I mean, just to be honest with you, we, it's been, I feel like a quick five years where I'm like, wow, we just did so much. We, we didn't have time to think we were just kind of like building and doing stuff that we wanted to make. And and all of a sudden last year was a very important year for us. And like in a way grateful for everything slowing down because we were able to take a step back and be like, okay, what are the brands that we're building and and how do they work? Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, we are really passionate and excited about combining those two brands together and really focusing on having art in the physical and digital space and helping and inspiring creators, whether it's, you know, making your your home, a more inviting, amazing space, or you're able to create really amazing artwork and be an amazing creator by using the app. And then on top of that, we're doing so many different collaborations this year, once again, in the physical and digital space by working with, you know, other artists and bringing to life their work through art prints and things like that. And then also within the app. So it's a really Mm -hmm. exciting year. I feel like we're finally kind of understanding, you know, the brand that we're building. And I kind of now finally see where, where we're headed. So, I mean, yeah. just, that's like, you know, kind of an honest answer. Just, I think we're, yeah. we're still growing and figuring it out and we're such a small team. It's me and my husband and our assistant. So we're growing, we're trying to get bigger and better, but, um, it's been, it's been a good year for sure. Yeah. Well, that's impressive how much you all are doing with just the three of you. That's yeah. It's a lot, (laughs) a lot of work. Have you guys like, what are you thinking about uh, the NFT trend right now? Especially hearing about, you know, how you're viewing digital art. And I'm just imagining like, oh, are you going to put it into like an NFT, put it on the blockchain, do something like that, sell it that way? Is that something that you guys have even, you know, talked about? Because it seems like you have a good opportunity, especially since you're one of the creators who's making some of this amazing art. People are willing to buy your collages with just your photos. Like, how have you thought about creating scarcity around that potentially and having in a digital format that people can own. Totally. I think, I mean, it's a hot topic right now and something that's like, I'm, we're dipping our toes in and actually trying to, to figure out a, an interesting way to go about it. And I think that like, I'm not exactly sure if that will evolve to be like the way I think we're going to see a lot of different kind of things pop up like that. Um, I think I am excited to see kind of stuff like that. I think there's like a lot of value. I, I like the idea of like an artist can get, you know, as a piece of art goes on and on and gets passed on, like an artist actually would still get the commission and from something mm-hmm. like that. I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think it should be some, it's similar to like music, you know, I think yeah. music is going to change and evolve a lot over the next 
little bit. And so I'm, I'm excited to see where it's all going. I think like all these worlds are about to kind of come crashing together. Yep. Yeah. I was just going to bring up music. I know you were kind of in that world for a bit. And to me, it just seems like a no brainer of like, why wouldn't you put your music somewhere that can get properly valued and bought and yeah, respected in a way that it hasn't been previously. I, I just see so many use cases where I do feel like there was obviously a very big fad. It got a little crazy. You can't just, you know, be like NFT solves the world's problems and just needs to do everything. And I'm going to put my pen on it. I'm going to digitize yeah. this. Like it definitely got a little out of hand, but I can see a place where there are really good use cases around ownership and, you know, giving artists what they deserve, which is really cool. Totally. And I think just like more artists are becoming, you know, independent and like, luckily we, mm-hmm. I mean, even just with TikTok, the, the things that that has done for small musicians that could never get, you know, the viral reach or, or anything without, you know, a label or all these people behind them. I think like there's so many cool ways that are coming up. And I mean, Instagram alone, I think has been just an amazing place for independents and artists to be able to like sell their art or like find a community. I mean, I think about the, the people I've connected with. My favorite thing to say is just and because it, it, it blows my mind, because it still happens to me all the time is like, you're one DM away from a CEO of something amazing that like you're super interested in. So mm-hmm. like, if there's a brand, a person, a musician, whatever it is that you are like, I just have a question, probably just send it because you might get a response and it might be from the actual like person that you want to get in touch with. So I, I feel like we're just, there's so many quick touch points that we're are coming more and more accessible. I think like we're in an exciting time. I know it's also like, there's a lot of negative things people can say about it, but I think that's the positive side of it. Yeah. I like to focus on the positive side as yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, I love that you're one DM away from whatever you want. <laughs> like, how do you think about collaborations? I know earlier you were talking about collaborations with other brands. And I mean, how, it seems like that could also get tricky and a little sticky depending on who you're working with. So how do you view having a collaboration in a brand that's going to work well and not get to a place where you're both like butting heads and trying to figure out who's doing what, like what's a good collaboration? Right. I think, you know, we touched on this earlier a little bit, but actually having just a real conversation about like the goals, um, Mm -hmm. not only just the brand, but like as an influencer, what works and what performs well for you. And so like having that laid out almost before you get into like what the collaboration is going to be about is important. And then you know, like when a brand sends me a brief and it's like, you have to say these exact 45 Mm -hmm. things. And I'm like, so I'm, this is an infomercial. And even if I love the product, it's like, you know, my community is going to swipe, swipe away, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think like really as a brand, if you can try, I know it's hard because trust me, I run a brand too. And sometimes you're like, but we need to hit these like talking points, which I understand, but like just taking that extra step and making sure it is coming from a personal place and voice is the, special sauce. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what kind of platforms are you most excited about right now? Like, what are you dipping your toes in that maybe other people aren't even thinking about exploring or where are you seeing like a bigger following than you even would have expected happening quicker than maybe other platforms? Like, what are you bullish on right now? Well, I mean, I know everyone's saying TikTok, but it really is like, it's like the early days of Instagram where you, there still is like that discoverability. And I don't think it's going to last too much longer. So that's why if anyone isn't dipping their toes in that, I would say just mm-hmm. jump in for a year and try everything. Don't like try what you're seeing. Just try something like new and different. I think like people are craving kind of just something that's, that's super different. So, um, that's one area, but I think also 
this is kind of like a vaguer area, but this is where I find a lot of like success in in a platform is more like combining, like collaborating with other artists. So I think, you know, everybody has such a strong community these days, whether it's a brand, an influencer, an artist, whatever it is. So how are you, how can you like marry those two, like that relationship to really actually, you know, combine your followers or your community and like the ideas that you share as brands. And I think, I think that's almost what I'm excited about in just commerce in general. I like, cause we're doing this on like a personal level and, and with brands and things like that. I think massive, massive brands are doing that with like, like street style brands are doing it with random cool artists that, you know, live in LA that, you know, want to be discovered. And I think that brings so much more like heart, like I said, into kind of everything that you're doing. So I think that's a, almost like a new, not platform, but way of mm-hmm. collaborating and finding growth. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That completely does. I love that. All right. Well, let's jump over to the lightning round. Lightning rounds brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I ask a question and you have a minute or less to answer. Oh boy. I'm nervous. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You'll do great. All right. First one. What's up next on your reading list? Ooh, the adventures of Calvin and Clay. Is that what it's called? Wait, Cavalier and Clay. The amazing adventures of Cavalier and Clay. I don't know, but my husband's read it like four times and he's like, it's just beautiful. It takes you into this world. I'm like, I, it's on my list just because I hear him talk about it so much. Wow. It's like 1900, almost five-star ratings on Amazon. It kind of looks like a comic book, but yeah, I can get down with that. You know, it's kind of like, you know, an escape, not like necessarily, I'm not going to learn, you know, it's not like a business book, but (laughs) I'll take it. All right. Hey, if it's good enough for someone to read a couple of times, I'm down to check it out. That's Mm -hmm. cool. So when you want to get into your creative headspace, what do you do to do that? I love to like watch old movies. I feel, or like look at vintage magazines. I get inspired by like old things. I think we can kind of feel, I get overwhelmed almost by like how much new stuff is going on that sometimes I like Mm -hmm. to look back and be inspired by things that were done before and see where like new inspirations have come from. So I, I just love like old movies and books and magazines and things like that. Yeah. I think it's always a good, uh, fun way to get brought back to like where things were and then incorporate that into certain things that maybe people forgot about, which totally. yeah, is always a fun feeling. If you were to have a podcast, what would it be about and who would be your first guest? Ooh, great question. I mean, I think it would be about, you know, art and kind of, I've always wanted to have a podcast called like either the art of life or like starving artist or something like that to kind of break down the walls of just what being an artist actually is. And showcasing like my husband, for example, he's a developer. I always made fun of him for not being the creative one, but he's so creative and and developing is creative. And that I was like being a critic of my own, I was like judging him. And I, now I take it back. So I feel like there's so many things like that, that I I would love to talk about. And so many cool people I'd love to interview, but my first guest, um, this is going to be so lame and cheesy, but I would love it for it to be my mom because I love that. she's the most fascinating woman. And I'm like, I haven't even sat down and asked her all the questions I want to ask her about. I mean, she has five kids. She started an amazing interior design business from the second I was born and like never seems to be stressed out or like not have enough time for everybody. And I don't understand. So I've, and she's just like on another level. So I, I would love to interview her first. <laughs> 
Oh, that's that's a good one. I want to I would listen to that one as well. So well, let me know when that's we'll see. Up. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. yeah, stay tuned, everyone. Who is your either favorite artist you're watching or fellow influencer? Mm. I'm going to say this for in people that are looking up or out there looking to become influencers, because I think she is doing a really great job at like growing platforms, which is really hard to do right now. So I, I kind of look up to her for this, but Brittany Xavier, she is an amazing influencer and she's, you know, I've just watched her like change her brand over the years and really like go after the brand she wants to work with and also grow literally everything from like TikTok to YouTube to like millions of followers in like short periods of time. And she just does such a focused approach. And I think like Mm -hmm. for somebody that's trying to become an influencer or wanting to like find the community, she's just an interesting person to, to observe. Oh, that's a good one. All right. What is one thing you don't understand today that you wish you did? Um, how to scale a business. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I wish I went to business school sometimes. I feel like mm, no. sometimes there's benefit in like, I know, like not You're knowing. in it right now. This I know. Is your business school. I'm in the business school, but sometimes yeah. I'm just like, wow, I don't even know what to do, where to go, but it's kind of fun. I don't know. Figuring yeah. it out. You will learn so much more <laughs> by just doing. Yeah. yeah. We'll start to circle back in like a year and you'll be like, Look at all the progress. Look at what happened. <laughs> exactly. I'm the best. <laughs> exactly. Can't wait for that day. <laughs> all right. And then the last question, what one thing will have the biggest impact on e-commerce in the next year? I think we're in like a time where everybody has to take a step back and look at like what they're doing, what they're giving as a brand, whether that's like anything from sustainability to like actually being of importance. So I think though we're having, you know, these massive brands like Amazon and Walmart who run so much of e-commerce, I think like there are going to be so many small brands that are coming up that have so much more like meaning and thought behind them. Like, I think we're just barely tapping into this new generation of like young YouTubers that have insane amount of impact and following and community that I don't even understand. And so I think they're going to be, you know, leaders in just e-commerce and like products. And and I'm just kind of excited and curious to see where that goes. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Tessa, well, it's been really fun having you on the show. Where can people find out more about you and all the cool things that you're working on? Thanks so much for having me. Um, Yes, you can go to shoptezza.com or lelothelabel.com. That's my sunglasses brand. And then also in the app store, if you type in Tezza, you will find our photo and video editing app and on Instagram, Tezza, T-E-Z-Z-A. Good handle. All right. Well, thanks so much. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Hey, listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Up Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud and created by the team at mission.org. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.